Okay, everybody, welcome to the show. Gideon, how's it going this week, man? Going well, man. Uh, just watched this the other night, uh, Hard Boiled. Um, I'm doing good. I'm playing Spider-Man 2. I've been playing some Liza P lately, having a lot of fun with those for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Van, yeah. I know I know. we've been talking Peter and Miles are getting under your skin in terms of their um, over-niceness. Over it's their whole dialogue. It just It's mm-hmm. like I have to limit my playtime with that game because it gets to a point where I'm getting such a headache just listening to them yap on and on about whatever the hell they're talking about. I just have to put the game down. Yeah. Well, you know, we all know that text dialogue is better in video games anyway because you can make up all your own voices and then I can skip it because I don't care. Um, Neil, how's it going this week, man? Especially after I just dropped that on you. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I almost agree with half of that. Um, but, uh, my, my place of work has a bank that's, uh, kitty corner across the street. And, uh, the other day, a gentleman tried to rob it during our business hours. Now by Robert, I mean, he walked in with a ski mask and just demanded all the money, but he did not Mm. have any kind of weapon. So... Seems like he's missing a key element of the equation. Yeah, like de- definitely, uh, all all the marbles were not uh, fully in place there. Well, that's because the the bank is a gun free zone. So I mean, what was he gonna do, Neil? You know, what? like yeah, I, I'm just a, I'm a selective law uh, obeyer. Uh, maybe he was I, like trying trying to get money to get like a weapon to intimidate like another yeah, no, yeah you know he, he needed a cash advance because right across the street <laughs> is a uh, pawn shop oh see, there you go yeah i i saw um in my neighborhood i saw a guy walking down the middle of the street with a empty duffel bag and a ski mask one time <laughs> I don't I don't know that any robbery happened. I don't know that anything was going on, but apparently there was just a guy walking down the middle of the street in broad daylight with a ski mask and an empty duffel bag. So, Do you remember in like uh spring of 2020 when it was just normal for people to wear walk around wearing like bandanas or ski masks everywhere they went including you know, yeah, I, like I, yeah. times. I, I I remember walking into a uh, gas station that had been robbed previously and I had like a red bandana over my face and they're like you know i went about my business and i got to the cash and i was like oh uh sorry i'm not not trying to rob you <laughs> right we're just like going to the grocery store. store everyone looks like a daffius uh, or defias uh, gang member yeah anyway. yeah uh, you know there th- this this would be like a great uh george storyline in in seinfeld like if if they did seinfeld in the modern day it's like covid and he's like try he needs to go into the gas station and the only thing he has to cover his mask is like a ski mask or something and so they think he's a robber and you know some some crazy shit goes down um well that's good wise is there any reason that that you couldn't do a seinfeld reboot um other than that michael richards i mean blurted out the n-word like 50 times on stage in a nightclub that one time and then kind of got d um d hollywooded after that which which character does he play kramer oh that oh, okay yeah I know yeah. That. <laughs> yeah yeah Jeez. yeah 
Um, but other than that, everybody is still uh, Larry. I mean, Larry David's still alive to come back and write all those. All those guys are still alive. Yeah, the core cast. I don't really. I mean, I think George's the characters who play George's parents are both dead. But um, yeah, they could they could totally do a reunion. Although they've been resistant to that, and I think that that's actually kind of wise on the on their part, in my personal opinion. Um, last but certainly not least, Alex Princeton. How's it going, man? Chain alive, Sam. Yeah, so you got a haircut? Uh, football, football season is ending, so I'm going to have to find a personality. <laughs> I see you got your Travis Kels haircut. Kelsey, but... I, yeah, Kelsey. I okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I saw that I have, online have, people are... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I do this once a year around my birthday, because my mm. hair gets down to like... Here. Yeah. I've I've just seen things online that people are like going to the barbershop and saying, give me the Travis Kelsey. And it's like, that's called a high and tight. (laughs) There's, there's a name for that. Um, Yeah. yeah. Um, So good. Uh, Yeah. I got my three wolf moon shirt on. This is kind of one of my, like, I don't wear out in public, but sometimes lazy around the house uh, kind of wearing shirts. Um, Or, you know, if I got, if I got a gig or something like that, you know, do you feel like it, uh, gives you more power or something or not particularly um played the final fantasy 7 demo with it on last night didn't feel like i was that much better at the game honestly damn shame (laughs) (laughs) that is an awesome shirt you know you can get the shirt now with extra wolves on the sleeves Mm -hmm. that's probably why you didn't have the full power and uh last but not least paul how's it going this week man uh, it goes well. Uh, I want to share with you guys something that just happened to me. Now, I know the listeners of this podcast, um, they don't have video, uh, but maybe let's see if I can uh, turn my camera on in this room. I can I can share with you guys uh, something fantastic. Now, in order to, uh, you know, appropriately celebrate this movie, of which I've only seen half, I'm coming into this uh, with only half an idea, quite literally, of how the movie goes. Uh, I, I, my girlfriend has ordered a succulent Japanese dinner um, to celebrate this Hong Kong movie. And uh, Neil, specifically, I've heard how much you appreciate restaurant-quality chopsticks. Uh, so I... Got my chopsticks. Uh, of course, they're always combined into into one chopstick that you separate. And uh, I have. This is what has happened. Oh, oh um, always the best. So I'm going to be eating my ramen now with uh, with this. Uh, I don't know how to describe this to the viewers, uh, but the separation between the chopsticks was not quite equal. So not a clean break, unfortunately. Yeah, you've got yeah. like. A splinter and then a mega chopstick, basically. Yeah, like a shit. But uh, luckily, I always keep an extra pair, just in case, wow. by my desk. That is some weeb shit, dude. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so Paul, I have to ask. Um, you use the phrase "succulent Japanese meal." Um, is that democracy manifest? Yes, a succulent Japanese meal. Do not touch my. Never mind. Um. Uh, Paul, you can say the word. Well, your parents listen to this podcast. We can't, uh, we can't I, be talking I, about I that. dropped. I dropped the. Uh, I dropped the cunt word a couple times last. Uh, mm. so, <laughs> All right. Uh, 
We got a Kramer here. Yeah. <laughs> careful. Careful. Careful, guys. <laughs> okay. Well, this week we are here to talk about the 1992 Hong Kong action thriller Hard Boiled by John Woo. Um, the most famous of all the Hong Kong um, gunfu movies by the most famous of all the Hong Kong gunfu directors uh, and starring Chow Yun-Fat, um, one of Hong Kong and China's most famous actors. A um, little bit of trivia here. We've we've previously watched a movie with Chow Yun-Fat in it. Does anybody remember what it was? Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, yes. yeah. 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 Um, I just thought, you know, because he had like the bald cap, I, I thought he might be sort of like unrecognizable. But, um, He's certainly yeah. a younger man in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, only by about like eight years, I suppose. But um, yeah, he's definitely an ultimate badass in uh, Crouching Tiger. But anyway, yeah, basic. I don't. I mean, the 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 overall plot. I think it's a little bit more complicated than this. But Hard Boiled is a classic. Like, we've got a loose cannon cop who uh, doesn't play by the rules. And kind of does things his way and is investigating like this gun shipping, gun selling uh, outlet that's that's happening in Hong Kong somewhere between like um, there there's like a local gang that's doing it, but then there's like another local gang that's starting to come in and, and do it more ruthlessly, and um, the triads are involved, and there's undercover, and there's double agents, and there's um, all that kind of good stuff. Basically, it's a screenplay meant to get us into a number of really excellent action set pieces. Um, not to say that the story isn't good, not to say that the characters aren't good, but it, the, the story basically, uh, it, it kind of strikes you as like, they kind of location scouted and they're like, uh, there's this hospital going out of commission, there's this tea house going out of commission, there's this warehouse that's been abandoned. We're going to make the story so that we get to these three places so we can just demolish the shit out of them. And then we're going to make the story kind of wind into those locations. Kind of like how every good Jackie Chan movie ends with a fight in a ladder factory while he's holding a baby. I mean, this is how these movies are made. It almost seems like these movies are made in reverse. Um, but that's that's kind of the basic premise. Um, so... Alex uh, Princeton was the uh, suggester of this movie, so why don't you give us a little bit of history on, like, how you heard about it and why you yeah. picked it? And yeah, you know, I think um, growing up, I never watched a lot of action movies. Um, you know, obviously, like my dad wasn't showing me like gunfighting movies at age twelve, but even even like in my teens and twenties, I just never really sought them out. So it's always something I felt like I kind of missed out on, and yeah and then you mentioned jackie chan uh i i, I was a fan of like beverly hills ninja as well and, and so i've always like been really interested in in like the source material for some of those like parody or funny films and you know if you if you look up kung fu or gun fu like john was at the top of the list and if you look at his films this one's near the top of that list and i'd seen some scenes and i was really interested in all these set piece battles and and this movie where Purportedly, there was more gunfighting than talking, although maybe it actually splits a little more across the middle than I had realized. Um, yeah, so I just thought it was a, would be a fun, uh, fun one to watch on the pod. Yeah. Well, my own history with this movie is that um, 
I had actually played a demo for a video game called Stranglehold. Stranglehold, it's called John Woo's Stranglehold. It was a PS3 game that came out in 2007. It's actually supposed to be a sequel to this movie. And so I played the, the demo, and it was all about like, hey, you know, there's this is a sequel to a movie that already exists. So I went out to my, my local video store, local family video, and found Hard Boiled, and I just brought... It was like one of the very first times I ever like watched a movie by myself, like went out, got it, brought it home. And, um, you know, it's just kind of been one of those classics that I've shown friends and shown people in college and watched with girlfriends and, and things over the years. Um, and so I've, I've seen it two or three... This would be my third viewing, I think. Um, and yeah, so that that's kind of my history with it. Uh, Gideon and Neil, did you have any uh, history or any prior knowledge of this movie? I think uh, I might have seen this. Oh, go ahead, Gideon. Okay. Uh, yeah, I similarly, you know, I kind of knew about John Woo through Stranglehold. I just really played the demo. Um, I had also, similar to Alex, just kind of heard about it and like recommended action movies on YouTube, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'd never seen it never knew anybody who'd seen it um so it was totally fresh for me right, go ahead Neil. uh i think i saw this the summer i graduated high school however i think uh circumstances of me watching it were like me and a couple friends having gone to like one of our first like get drunk parties and then coming back like oh and one of the friends like like being at his house and he's like a cinephile at the time and just him like we should totally watch this and me like noticing half of it as i passed out on his yeah. couch let's get drunk and watch a movie where we have to read all the dialogue it's a, it's yeah. a great idea but, okay i mean we're gonna get into this but i don't think the dialogue in this movie matters <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> yeah paul uh, and paul what about you uh, I, I was totally blind bunging in this movie. I'm, I'm not familiar with it. I also am not a very big action movie guy. Uh, nothing against them. Just kind of similar story to Alex. I grew up with, you know, the closest thing I got to action movies was James Bond films, which I don't think counts. Um, so I, I'm definitely happy to catch up on that on that lost opportunity. And I do think John Woo was a pretty pretty great place to start. Yeah, so um, what are our first impressions uh, on this movie? Uh, Alex Princeton, let's just hop yeah. right into it. I, I'd say this one really didn't let me down uh, on a lot of dimensions anyways. Um, a few impressions. One, when like you hear about like the 90s, 80s like movie moral panic around ultraviolence, this is what they were talking about, right? Like this is just a, this is just nonstop like gunshots and blood. And I know they're, are bloodier films out there, but you have to imagine this is kind of like, you know, the quintessential violent 90s film. Um, <clears throat> plot light. I was surprised, you know, um, there's the, the little twist in there around one of the core gangsters winds up being an undercover cop. And the big like twist of the film is that they they wind up um, really teaming up together, the the hero and this undercover guy uh, to, to ultimately take down the big bad. Um, I think my main takeaway from this film though, you know, from the John Woo perspective is how many set piece shots there are here and how many, like, it, it seems like every fight is comprised of like 20 or 30, like, see individual shots where they had to like 
line the camera up right, line, like sh get this thing to explode in just the right, right way, capture the glass, you know, burning. And they had to choreograph a bunch of people like dodging blanks. And, and you have to be impressed with like, I, I mean, this scene, this film must contain at least a, like what, 50, 60, 80, 100 of those like really detailed, perfectly set up little shots. Yeah. I, I think that's probably that's probably like my biggest and first takeaway is there's like a lot of craftsmanship and deliberate attention to detail and setting all that up. Mm. Yeah, it, you know, it's a it's a movie where when I was writing about it, I was thinking about I was thinking about it in terms of like bullets per second and explosions per second, and like if I if I went into the movie theater in like. 91 or 92 when this movie came out in Hong Kong and I was just looking for a good time and to get my money's worth you know like to the, that's the quote that kept coming back to me to get my money's worth you know this movie is over two hours and there is a lot of action and I would have certainly felt coming out of the theater that I had gotten my money's worth there I can't not think of a movie with more sparks coming off of people more explosions more shattering the shattering glass budget on this movie is just crazy more uzis more shotguns more people jumping out of windows and, G and and crew members getting severely injured for my entertainment you, yeah. you know what we were missing in this sam the, mm. the one thing that she didn't scratch for me is like a car chase gunfight mm. I, I feel yeah. like we got everything else we got coming off the elevator mm -hmm. guns blazing i don't know yeah we did get the motorcycle action a little bit, but not not quite, not no chase. Right. We we got a lot of human scale gun action without the. I mean, once you start introducing cars, it's like you're you've got like a mech suit right around you. Not only are you moving really fast, but you've basically got like you're covered in armor, right? So it kind of changes the dynamics. So it's not really like. Like, gun-fu is actually, I think, a really good term for what this movie is because it is human-scale one-on-one fights just with guns and at range as opposed to, like... Because there's also no swords in this movie, right? Um, so I, I just thought, you know, like... There's a little and, grappling and fist-fighting. Like yeah, the, yeah. yeah, there's 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 a little bit of, of fist-fighting. Um, also, nobody ever reloads in this movie, like, ever. Yeah. <laughs> but that's part of the magic and part of the fun of it, I think. I have a few other thoughts, but let's go around the horn. Yeah, uh, first impressions, Gideon. Yeah, I mean, uh, I had pretty high hopes for this one. Um, I was expecting explosive action, and when I finished it, I just simply put my letterbox review, the definition of explosive action. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I have a lot of fun trivia i'll i'll share throughout the podcast but uh this is just stuff i read on the trivia section imdb apparently there was over a hundred thousand rounds of blanks and blank ammunition used in the movie um there were the it has a body count of 307 um <laughs> like I'll, I'll talk about the the ending explosion sequence later on when we get to that um but man yeah it was just super fun i really loved the vibes like obviously all the action stuff is just super incredible and so much fun to watch and i'd say makes it like infinitely rewatchable which is always great um but i really liked the vibes of like the jazz and stuff i felt like it mm -hmm. it just kind of lended itself to 
just like different aura that the movie had that I didn't really expect. And it, it was just really nice. So I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah. Remind me to get back to that about to, uh, talking about tequila himself. Cause I, th- I think he's an important element of why this movie works so well. Um, Neil, uh, first impressions. Um, I, so you, you've got Wikipedia pulled up, right? Yep. When was the first Michael Bay movie made? Oh, well, give me a second and keep talking. Because, like, watching this, like, I have to imagine that Michael Bay is a huge John Woo fan. Like, like the, 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 this is a Michael Bay movie. It's, like, all spectacle, minimal plot and storyline. Like, the only thing missing is that this objectifies women less than a typical Michael Bay movie. For okay. better or for worse. Yeah. Uh, first Michael Bay movie is 1995, so three years after Hard Boiled. And I know that, from personal experience, that Michael Bay is influenced by Hong Kong cinema because, you know, in Bad Boys, in the scene where they're going down the hill in the car and they're, like, crashing on top of all the other cars in, like, the junkyard, that is taken directly out of another movie I want to do for the podcast. It's, like, one of Jackie Chan's best Hong Kong movies called Police Story, which kind of came out around the same time as Hard Boiled. So I... I know Michael Bay is straight has seen, you know, it's obvious he's seen hard boiled, but yeah. Um, sorry. Continue. I mean, uh, so I've never actually seen bad boys. So mm. thanks for that. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I've heard of police story at least, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, but the other thing that uh, I assuming having seen your review for this, um, part of me is shocked that, you don't like Cowboy Bebop mm-hmm. because Cowboy Bebop is also like clearly influenced by this, by like the gun foo style of this movie. But I also think I know why you don't like Cowboy Bebop, which we'll get to in a minute. Oh God. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Well, uh, while, while I wait to be roasted mercilessly by Neil, uh, let's get Paul, let's get your uh, first impressions. Yeah. So, uh, like Gideon said, I, I love the noir jazz uh, kind of overall theme. Uh, I think the opening shots of Hong Kong in the beginning of the movie were really immersive and it made it really fun to look at. So it was just a really like welcoming sequence. One thing that uh, the movie really made me think about, at least as far as action movies go, was how I watch action movies. Now, as I said before, I, I didn't really have a, a classic action movies phase. I've seen John Wick and I've seen, you know, some of the more more modern action movies. Uh, and I imagine, you know, like myself and most other people in the 2020s, we probably watch them and, and you know, you see all the cool tricks and the stunts and, and stuff and immediately your mind wonders what special effects or filming techniques they use to pull that off to make Keanu Reeves do like, you know, three backflips. Uh, but, you know, w- w- when I watch some of the more elaborate sequences in this movie, like the gunfight in the warehouse, you can see people jumping off of catwalks and like doing flips on the cars and, and like hurting themselves in all these elaborate ways from like great distances and giant falls. And, and all that was in my head was like, that's an actual guy doing that. That's a stunt actor. This is a stunt movie. Uh, it, it, it's very easy to forget in 2024 when you watch these movies that it, that's not... I mean, obviously there's camera tricks, but it's not the same as what you would see now. Like that, that is actually a guy who like found the perfect way to fall 30 feet and, and the producers found the perfect way to make that, you know, cushion look just like a car. 
it, it, it's insane. It, I don't know. For me, it, it just, it, it may not seem like much, but for me, it, it just kind of like reminded me from you know, how I used to watch movies as a kid versus how, how I watch them now. Yeah, I, I think largely my love of this movie is for a lot of the craft and a lot of the um, filmmaking talent that obviously went into this. I mean, John Woo had made like three, four, five of these kind of movies leading up to this. So this was kind of his like the peak of his Hong Kong cinema experience. And then he moved over to doing Hollywood movies um, immediately after this. So um, and then it was never the same again, was it? Unfortunately. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. Aside from the obvious, like all of the actors are, or a vast majority of the actors are Asian, um, and like I will say, you know, this seems very comparable in quality to me to some of the Hollywood um, films of the same era that we watched, like notably the Schwarzenegger film. Mm-hmm. You know, they seem totally on par, and it, you know, we talked a little bit uh, in Seven Samurai about how, like everywhere except Hollywood had a lot of catching up to do. And I would say like squarely by this point, it seems, seems to me as if they caught up. Although, I, I don't know, do you buy that? No, I, I understand what you mean. And I completely agree that like a lot of the production values and the technical differences between the regions had been solved at this point. But I still think, this is something I touched on in my review. I think there is something to be said about action movies that are made outside of the United States having a little bit more grit to them because that largely speaking, the actors don't have the same rights and you can beat the shit out of your actors and you can do, you can get the stunt performers to do just totally crazy bonkers shit. And I'm sorry in this kind of movie, it makes the movie better when you can just tell there was zero regulation surrounding the creation of this movie. And it was, it was so dangerous to do everything in this movie. It's like it's the same reason Mad Max Fury Road is awesome, right? It's like made in Australia where the regulations surrounding it weren't as as crazy. So they actually had all these cars like doing all this crazy shit out in the middle of the desert and it's like a miracle that nobody was seriously maimed. <laughs> the movie but, is a giant blood diamond. Yeah, yeah, in in a, in a certain way. And you know, I don't want any, anybody to get hurt, but there's something to be said about the excitement of watching it's 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 akin to going and seeing like Siegfried and Roy in Las Vegas, right? It's like you're kind of there for a magic show, but you're also there because there's like a 1.5% chance that a tiger is going to take a bite out of a German. And <laughs> part of the appeal of it is like the anticipation of that danger. And that's kind of part of the appeal of Hard Boiled and a lot of these like like the raid I would put in that category or like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's like or Fury Road. A lot of the fun of a good action movie is like watching them pull off these superhuman stunts. And there's something about a Hollywood action movie that's a little too like I feel like they gotta wrap it all up nicely at the end and everybody's gotta like walk away with like the happy ending like we were talking about with Minority Report. And I just there's there's a budgetness to hard boiled that and an unpolishedness and a grittiness that I think lends so well to this particular genre. I don't know. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to mention while we we're just talking about how dangerous it was. Um, every single gun in the movie is real. It's a real gun that was inspected by the Hong Kong police. Um, uh, even that tea house shootout thing, apparently like, you know, like you said, it was going to be demolished and whatever. 
um, I think like five days after they shot that sequence. And like every night, the the neighbors that lived by it like called the police to complain about the noise. But the police loved John Woo so much they let him <laughs> just like do his thing. <laughs> um, I mean, man, yeah, the 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 danger and just how like it's crazy. There's so much with the guns and the bullets and the shooting explosions, everything. Just like every wall is just exploding, every inch is just danger everywhere, and it really bleeds through, and it's it's shocking uh just watching it all unfold and um i i can talk about an hour later but i've got some interesting just danger fun facts about that sequence when he's running out with the baby you tell me tell me about that because i love that shot when the the entire hospital is exploding at the end of the movie and chow yun fat is running toward the camera with the football as it were so uh, apparently they did two takes with when he's running out with the baby and just trying to, you know, make it out alive. Uh, The first take, I guess John Woo didn't like it. He thought the explosions were too far away. So he took the detonator and he (laughs) was blowing. He was like choosing when to blow the explosives. So Chow Yun-Fat was literally running for his life. And apparently he was like so professional. Like he was like, okay, like, let me, like, I'll do it again. You know what I written? He's like, let me see the the difference between the two takes, and he he definitely agreed. Like that was the better one, and then he turned around. And he's like, that son of a bitch, <laughs> something <laughs> like that, like that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. They would have never, ever in the United States. First of all, they would never have done two takes on it. It would have been a CGI explosion, as to not endanger Tom Cruise, who's like insured for, you know, a, a billion dollars. Um. Or you get I'm, a Alec Baldwin situation. I was just going to say... I was going to talk about that. We had to talk about that. I was just surprised when you said that it was real guns. I'm like surprised that nobody got Alec Baldwin on the set. Yeah. Like, it's it's like how many guns were on the movie Rust versus how many guns were on this movie. Right. And like, I, I don't know if anybody got seriously hurt or killed in this movie, but I could believe it. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, insane. Yeah, and it was worth it. I mean, look at the end result. <laughs> what do you guys think about... There are... From some comments I've just been reading while we've been like talking about it, or some comments I've like read in the... Um, uh, in the Discord, it seems like we have some problems with the story, the writing, things like that. So Neil, how would you go into that? Because I I feel like you've got you've got beef with the uh, with the story in this movie. I mean, like, the fact of the, the matter is, I don't really think there is much of a story to this. Like the it, he, 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 and he, here's my roast for you mm-hmm. is that this this movie is like a supercut of a like six six part hour long mini series that was cut down. And they just took out all the parts of a movie that Sam hates where, like, you know, characters develop and you have interesting dialogue. Yeah. And it's just, it's just explosions. And yeah. you know, it just... also gave me miniseries vibes. I'll say, like, the film kind of, I think, fits into, like, three distinct parts where I'd, I'd put part one as, like, minute zero through the end of the warehouse. Then we spend, like, a bit of backstory time, which is probably the slowest part of the movie, like, 
in the police station on the boat, figuring out like really clearly establishing we're talking about an undercover cop. And then, then we get into the hospital stuff and I, I could, can't say what it is that gave you miniseries vibes. Maybe it's because like some elements of when they're in the station feels like television to me more than it does a film. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Am I getting at any of the same stuff you're getting at there? A little bit, but it's, it's, it's more to me than just like dialogue and like character development aren't actually like important as far as uh, what, what John Woo was going for. Like they're just moments that happen and they're like, cool in like a you know five minute youtube clip sense but but when taking like as the whole of a two like what's the movie's like two hours and ten minutes something like that. yeah like two, two that stand out to me are relatively early in the movie there's the warehouse scene where uh alan the undercover cop uh ha- who has previously like done mob hits and uh seems to be sort of like the right hand man of uh uncle hoy who's like a mafia don Mm -hmm. but is now being pulled over to uh this other mafioso's side um they've just finished raiding the warehouse and they've got uncle hoy and like his last few bodyguards cornered and uncle hoy like makes a deal he's like look i get that my time is over you can kill me let the rest of my men go. And the other mafia, Don, like, tells Alan, like, hey, you know, you can do what you want. Like, I want you on my side, so I want you happy. And Alan accepts the deal, kills Uncle Hoy, and then, like, spins around and guns down the remaining bodyguards. And this is coming from an undercover cop. And, like, I think there are reasons that you could sort of, like, surmise like you can sort of guess but it's never explained why he you know why was he so bloodthirsty for these unnamed henchmen um similarly uh at in the hospital sequence uh our remaining mafioso has a other henchman apart from alan who's referred to as mad dog and we've seen him you know murder like like, i think like a quarter of the body count in this movie is him but uh, at did the he, end, did, the mafia gun guns down. Oh, go ahead. Is Mad Dog the eye patch guy? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. So at the end, the mafia don shoots like twelve, uh, like hospital patients and nurses, and Mad Dog turns on him for that. Now I'm not saying it's an unreasonable thing to do, but you're, man, your 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 literal name in this movie is Mad Dog. Like when did you when did you get a heart of gold? That 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 was what happened in the episode that this part is being pulled from. Like we saw that you have a sick sister or something. Like and you're doing this to pay for her medical treatments or something. Where, where did this turnaround come from? I don't get it. I thought Mad Dog has like one line in the film, which is like his whole character, where he says like, "I hate when people kill needlessly and when people betray their bosses." And that scene is like him reconciling those like that that's his whole character arc is like those two scenes basically it, it, that, that's, it's, it's, it's possible i missed that particular line i like I mean, that character i'm also saying it was, it's pretty two-dimensional like there's he gets one line and then he confronts it in another in the next scene anyway 
get in uh for 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 my interpretation of that scene and like why he kind of turned on his boss it was almost like he was having a gentleman's agreement like we're laying down our guns there's these civilians right here we're not gonna you know mess anything up and then the boss comes in and just kills them all and he's like what the fuck dude like <laughs> you know you totally like overstepping a a, a our bound or your bounds and this unspoken agreement that we had. That's how I interpret it personally. But I, I totally get where you come from. I, I like that character. Go. And it, oh, go ahead. It, it, it seems it seems to me that like his he's pretty clear cut, right? It's just he doesn't kill innocent people. I mean he'll kill like targets of the mob, like targets for like the job that he's doing, but if there's innocent bystanders in the way, he's not interested in killing for the sake of killing. I thought that I thought that was a pretty clear distinction to me. And I also felt that that character, like, okay, it's not a particularly deep character, but I thought served a really good purpose in the movie, which was that, like, Johnny Wong is the lead villain, correct? Um, Is not going to get in a direct one-on-one fight with Tequila or the undercover cop. Like he's just not on that power level, right? So they need an enforcer kind of guy. So he, I thought he worked incredibly well as the enforcer. I mean, this guy is like fucking Jason Voorhees with an AK-47. He just like dodges a gazillion bullets, survives impossible explosions. Just they spent you spend the entire movie trying to kill this guy, and it and it never happens. I thought that character was awesome. Like I, I understand he's not particularly well developed or anything. I, I don't mean he's like. Travis Bickle, awesome. I just mean I thought he was like. I I, 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 I don't have yeah. a tr- I don't have a problem with him being a badass. It's just that, yeah. Again, like I I just felt like whatever character development he was afforded came out of nowhere. Like and and the movie like just doesn't yeah. care. I like I, I I think like me fixating on this is more of like a me problem. And John Woo just was like, I'm not interested in doing that. It, that that's not what this movie's about. The, the, this, I, movie, this movie are, is about set pieces. Right. There are other elements or times in this film where dialogue does like detract or take away from like what what he's really trying to do. I'm thinking of a few places where like Chow Yun Fat gets really preachy with Alan for for no reason, you know, uh like where he tells him like what it means to be a good cop and 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 they try to like do character development in the last 30 minutes of the film for Alan. That didn't land with me. Overall, like, I thought that... So if we can go back to the tea scene, I think the movie starts, like, super strong, where yeah. where the dialogue's, like, super clever. They're, like, obviously having a fake conversation or communicating in signals or something as, like, the bad guys are moving into the tea room. Um, and then... And, and I thought it was going to be, like, really terse like just sprinkles of dialogue here and there to hint at the characters a little bit and let you fill in the blanks. And then like later on, I, I think he gets too liberal and, and, and his character spent too much time talking and the movie just isn't very good at that. Not to the extent that it ruins the film, but just, you know, maybe moves it from a five out of five. I think the part of the movie that I agree with you uh, in this particular arena on is there are a couple scenes in the within the hospital scene where it seems like our two protagonists are just locked in a room together and just talking for like they're just stuck there for like zero reason like they're just like behind a locked door and nothing is happening 
and there's some they keep cutting to things that are happening on like the upper floors between like the nurses and the doctors or whatever but i feel like i think we would all agree they could probably shave like 20 minutes off this movie yeah i think so right yeah i mean yeah. do i do we all agree that this movie is too long yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't yeah. know. That it's necessarily too long. I I just feel like it, it. It it's. I don't think it's using what the time it has as efficiently as it might. Whether it whether that yep. is to either do more characterization or to just just keep the action flowing. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, there's some kind of disconnect going on there for me. They do a lot to like show, not tell, like. There, there's things like again the the I go back to the tea room scene. I think about like they tell you a little bit about Alan when you see that he folds these paper cranes. What if they just never told us why he did that? You know, like he he literally explains verbatim why he mm-hmm. does it. You know, um, or you know this thing where they're delivering flowers to the secretary and the flowers contain like hidden messages from Alan to the back to the department. It's like what if what if we like did not get so explicit and we just let some of those, some of that show not tell happen? They they show well, but then they they like follow up by telling us in really clumsy dialogue. I think sometimes mm. I, I wish the movie talked less. Yeah, I like, and j- just to just to be clear about my complaints about like characterization, I don't think that it's because John Woo can't do it. Like, I, I think there are actually some great moments like. Uh, going to the secretary and the the flower situation, where like uh, Tequila is able to like 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 he he knows what gets the secretary's buttons going because he knows how to sing. He like he's able to correct the uh, musical notation. Like th- th- there are cute little moments like that throughout the movie, but just like not enough of them. And and not like evenly spaced among characters. And there's too much other stuff, right? Like if if they if it was going to be like there's only a little bit of character development, but it's all really good. I I could totally go for that. Personally, you yeah. see though, like I'm I'm not sure personally that the the character development in this movie is is like comparable to character development in like a drama or something like that. Like to to me it's all in the service of making you care enough that when the action does pop off you're just like a little bit clenched and you kind of care about the people that the guns are firing at just in in the least little bit. And, and I I think to me like that's the problem is that for me it's not enough. Okay. I, I I don't I, I don't really care about Alan. I've got it was enough for tequila. I I was like okay. Yeah. I, I like tequila enough. Yeah. But like 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 uh, even with uh I'm forget, I keep forgetting his name, but he's the main antagonist. Johnny. 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 Like like up until like the point where he like murders a bunch of hospital staff. Like I'm not even like like as you guys know, I'm the kind of person who sometimes roots for the villain. Like he, he was just like so milk toast to me. Like I liked Uncle Hoy way better than John. Yeah, like 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 Uncle yeah. Hoy was like a more interesting mm-hmm. character. And you yeah. could have done something interesting where he's like, you know, very fatherly and like affectionate to his goons and then just absolutely ruthless against everybody else. Like th- th- there's I don't know, there's something there, but like Johnny just was like 
oh, you know, like he's a criminal and so he's a bad guy. I don't Maybe care. Something that doesn't doesn't register to us that might register more to the Hong Kong audiences is I think he's the only white actor in the film. So maybe there's something like, oh, he's European. He's bringing in the, you know, he's international. He's big time. Yeah, he's half. And his name is Johnny, a pretty like classic call out to Americanisms or, you know, maybe that's part of it. Yeah, he's half English, half Chinese, the actor is, Um, which I did. That didn't read. It didn't read to me uh like that i i thought for sure that he was like just full white or whatever and and i i i was convinced that that's kind of what they were going for too was like uh you know wave wave of um uncle hoy's a local hong kong guy but johnny wong right. international he talks about deals in south america right his right. guys have better guns right like the international community i don't know why like... it's just mowing down patients like that never seems yeah. to me it's just yeah. supposed to make us hate him or dislike him. He just him, seems like a little shit kind of guy. Right. Well, I mean, the the evilness of Johnny Wong is kind of implied in the fact that he set up his entire base of operations in a hospital so that when shit went down, he'd have a bunch, he'd have, like, what he says it in the movie, he's like, I have more hostages than I have guns. I, right, yeah, of course, that's why Johnny Wong did it, not because the the production took advantage of it. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying that would be the, you know, that no, would I kind know. of be the, the justification, but I didn't, I don't really have that much of a problem with Johnny Wong. I like his character design of like, just being in like the classic, like the, the early nineties, like yellow suit. And I, 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 I did I, want, go, go, sorry, Sam, go ahead. I, I just, I just think like, I thought he was like a competent enough villain. Like I said, like he's not good enough in a gunfight to go to toe to toe with tequila. So they had to give, give you, um, Mad Dog, who I thought was totally awesome, um, but I, I thought Johnny Wong was like a competent, like ma- not really mastermind, but like um, the brains of the operation, just evil, oily, sleazy kind of type. And um, he he worked well enough for me. I wasn't like a f- I wasn't like really one way or the other that much on Johnny. I don't think. Um, I I just want to jump in real quick though with uh... yeah the the early 90s fashion in this movie is just awesome like, like i i don't know about awesome <laughs> like some things were but then like nothing Xiao Yun fat wears fits like it's either too big or too small <laughs> like, like like he's wearing what are supposed to be like office pants and i thought he was wearing like 18th century sailor pants <laughs> well he's like struggling to find a place right it's like i wonder if he can't even afford clothes or something yeah so I- there's something I do want to explore with the group a little more and see if anyone agrees with me, but I think the first 40 minutes of this film are strong, are the strongest. I, I really yeah. go back to that tea room scene, um, the like subtle tenseness that they establish with they, where everyone's just sitting down, they're just talking. Uh, the creativity of hiding the guns in the bottom of the, of the bird, you know, and all the imagery with the birds, I think um, strong, yeah. some of the strongest imagery. And then speaking of strong imagery, after like a very well choreographed fight in some of the tightest quarters fighting too, like not this big ass hospital or warehouse, um, you get this scene where, um, you know, after his best buddy cop is murdered, Chow Yun-Fat like vaults over the table, gets covered in flour, takes a shot and then is covered in blood. And the imagery of that, like white and red, which, as I recall, is strongly associated with de- death in um, in Eastern cultures. Uh, I-, I just thought that was like 
beautiful, pure cinema. And at that point I was like, oh, this is going to fucking like, this is the perfect balance of plot and action. And this is going to ride the whole way. And, and I do think it falls off after that. Do you guys I, uh, agree? Or yeah. No. I, I mean, I'm biased because I only saw <laughs> pretty much that <laughs> Paul, did you get Paul, did you get to the warehouse scene? Yes. Oh, wait, because I think moment for moment, the warehouse scene is the best action scene in this movie because it doesn't overstay its welcome. There's a lot of great individual bits in the hospital, and it's not that any of those bits are too long. It's that the movie is has been like 30 minutes long in the tooth by the time the hospital shit is over, so you're just sick of it, and you're like ready. I, I think if you cut 20, maybe 25 minutes off this movie, it's like a, the perfect action movie to me and i but i really do think it overstays its welcome by by a solid chunk of time well i, I am still go ahead paul i i am still planning on finishing the movie regardless because i i did really get uh invested in the amount that i did see uh i don't want to change the subject too much if you're not ready for it uh but I, I do have to say there were many points in this movie where I actually started to question if this was uh, an action comedy movie. Uh, it turns <laughs> out it's just Asian. Um, I think there was a lot of really hilarious like undertones uh, that, you know, maybe it's just because it was a 90s movie and these tropes hadn't been set yet. But close to when I had to stop watching the movie, I think one of the funniest moments happened. And it's the greatest example of this. Uh, it's when Tequila is speaking at the dock after the gunfight by his yacht. And, and the guy's like, you're on your own now. And then he just jumps into the lake and swims away. That, that, that made me laugh my ass off. And I, I, it, but th there's more than just that. I feel like there's a lot of moments in this movie where you're just kind of like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like when he prays to the, um, to the statue and he's like, please get me a pad. Yeah. I would also be curious. I'd be curious to learn what kind of drink tequila is ordering that he slams on the table. So it fizzes up and then he shoots it back because I would like to order that from now on at every bar I ever go to, because that's <laughs> the most awesome looking sure? shit ever. Are you sure he's not just always drinking tequila? I mean, it's a nickname. Right, but but there's something he's got something in it, like because it, it bubbles up like Alka Seltzer or something. He's like yeah. slamming it and something's happening with that. I got I gotta look that one up because that's a nice touch. To that's a nice touch. I like the fact that he plays clarinet in this jazz club. I think that's pretty cool. By the way, the owner of the jazz that club in this movie. It, oh, go ahead. Oh, it is John Wu. Oh yeah, he he's acts the in the owner? movie. But, uh, yeah, he's the owner of the, oh, okay. the jazz club. Yeah. Oh, nice, anyway. nice. Yeah. I think that opening scene is so cool. Um, I, I'm left to wonder if Chai and Fat is playing the clarinet. I have to imagine he's not, but it's like yeah. some of, uh, you know, not a phrase you say every day, but some pretty badass clarinet in the opening. Oh, there. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and really sets the tone that, again, I think the movie loses in its later half as it kind of starts to ramble. Yeah. What's uh, up, Gideon? If, if memory serves me correct. I think him playing the clarinet is legit, and that's like Chow, uh, Chow Young Fat bringing his own personality like to Tequila, 
and the love of jazz is f directly from John Woo, I read. So it's like blending of those two, so that's really cool. Um, and we can talk about it uh, once we wrap up, but I got to talk about some licensing stuff about this movie. It's really interesting and weird, and it makes this film kind of hard to uh, get for a lot of people. So yeah. I'll, I'll have to talk about that. I, yeah. I want to revisit uh, just briefly. Neil, did you take my my point about like the first half or the first forty being a little better? I, I, the thought I had is that like if the movie were going to be like more traditional as far as like again developing characters, uh, having like more emphasis on the plot, then yeah, I think there's definitely something there. Um, but again, I just don't think that was the point of this. Yeah, I I think it's a, there's an interesting conversation to be had about expectation, in terms of this the different skill points that different movies allot their their points into, like the different attributes that the movies say we're going to emphasize this and we're not going to emphasize this. For me, for an action movie that is very set piece focused like this one, I don't necessarily need all that much character development. I just need to like everybody enough, and especially like Tequila the main character um, enough to kind of like see my way through the movie. The, the, the beauty of Chow Yun Fat though is like, I feel like they could, they could have skipped over a lot or, or any of his character development. And I would have cared anyway, just cause Chow Yun Fat is such a good, I don't want to say, I don't mean he's a good actor in like a Daniel Day Lewis sense of a good actor. I mean, he is a good movie star. Like Harrison Ford is a good movie star where he's just in it. And he's kind of smooth, and there, there's nothing to really catch your clothes on in terms of, like, I don't like this about him, I don't like this about him. And you're just excited to see him through whatever adventure he's up to today in whatever movie he's in. He just has that old-school kind of movie star charm to him. And I think that is a big part of why this movie works as well as it does with minimal, let's just say, character development. Although... I don't mind some of the more, except for the the hospital scenes later in the movie where they're like stuck behind a wall and and we just really want the movie to wrap up at that point. All the stuff in the police station, I totally don't mind the the stuff in the police station. I think the stuff with like Uncle Hoy and Alan is 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 decent. Um, all the you know turn in your badge or you're you're on you know next time you screw up you're fucking out of here. I love all that shit. Like I, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of dirty hairy classic. Uh, action cop movie you know that that's all that's all good with me um one thing or i, I want to add on what alex was talking about with the first 40 um and this might change with you know rewatches and stuff I, I don't know if i personally like the first 40 as much as i like the second half of the movie i just was so blown away with everything going on in the hospital but kind of like what we've been talking about there is some kind of clunky or awkward moments uh, one thing I wanted to call out, I thought it was really funny when I think they're in the armory and they're trying to choke out Mad Dog with the AK. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, there's all these guns everywhere. Um, and one other, one other thing we had mentioned, just like seeing how beautiful Hong Kong looked and everything. Uh, when Alan is driving that red sports car like, yes. on the highway, yes. like when I die, I want to wake up in that car and he's driving me to heaven, you know, like that. <laughs> I, I wanted to live in that sequence. That was fucking awesome. He's trying the, the uh, I think it was like a red Fiat or something. 
It's like an Italian import yeah. or something like that. Rock and roll, Gideon. That was fucking awesome. That, <laughs> that was beautiful. Whoever was talking about the fashion in this movie, that was the scene where I was like, this is awesome. Like the the really loose fitting like zoot suit on Alan and like the the kind of matrixy glasses without the um the the frames around them and then he's driving that that red uh fiat uh like through the Hong Kong skyline. I was like this is fucking awesome. Like I want to live in that made me like want to live in the late 80s early 90s, which is something I never th- ever say to myself. That's like such a that's a horrible t- I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't want to live in that time. But um something I think we should go over um, we we'd be amiss not to is we should cover our favorite action like moments like if it's like an individual kill or an individual shot or an like a a, a certain like expo- like Alex you mentioned the 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 getting covered in flour and then rolling up on that guy I think I think it's the the final kill in the kitchen where he rolls over the table gets covered in flour and then it's spattered in blood and then he goes outside. And like talks to his like commanding officer covered in flour shortly after mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. I think that might have been improvised too. Or like Chow Yun Fat came up with the idea of the flower. I mean, I might be wrong, but I think from what I remember that. Wow, right. it seems very like 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 a real auteur touch by John Wu, so I'll be that'd be surprising to me because it seems so perfect. But yeah, yeah, and I could very well be wrong, but I think if I remember, that's right. Uh, getting any favorite particular action moment Dude. certified john woo tm moment i got three okay anytime they're rolling out on the fucking gurneys and they're just blasting shit <laughs> yeah. i was like this is what i you know think about when you're like going sledding you know wouldn't this be better if i had two pistols and i'm just shooting people you know or something <laughs> and uh um you I'm talked about like on a watch list there getting <laughs> Yeah, wait, is this being recorded? <laughs> uh, like you had talked about with the car, you know, almost being like a suit of armor. We literally see that in the warehouse when uh, Chow Yun-Fat jumps through the car. It's all exploding around him. He puts that thing in neutral, is like pushing the car as like a shield. That was fucking awesome. Um, and just about any scene where there's a shotgun blasting off like a fucking grenade launcher (laughs) like that is so awesome yeah yeah the shotguns are crazy op in this movie and as princeton pointed out as sick as the uzis are they are totally ineffective i feel like the uzis are just like they're like sparkler machines in this movie uh neil any particular uh certified john woo tm moments uh the two that come to mind are uh just prior to the warehouse sequence when you get the like v formation of uh motorcycles with the headlights on oh yeah and like the flotilla of cars coming after them that that was a that was a fuck yeah moment for me fuck yeah um and then late in the movie during the hospital sequence um like in a lot of ways like despite the amount of like squibs and uh blood in the movie there there isn't like a ton of gore Right. Uh, I I I'm not I'm not a huge gore person. Like but uh at one point during the hospital fight they they shoot just like some nameless mook and the guy collapses into like a wooden bench. Yeah, and, and it breaks and and like part of the board like juts through the guy's neck and it lingers just long enough for you to see that. I was like, "Oh, where where'd that come from?" I do remember that. 
So, but uh, I, I wound up liking that. I just, I just thought it was a nice touch. Wish there had been a little bit more of that. Okay, more, more. Ki- I, it, we, we were laughing about this last night when we were watching the movie. It's like people can't even sit down on a bench in this movie without the bench fucking exploding and like splintering into a million pieces. Uh, Paul, uh, out of what you saw, what was your favorite certified John Woo moment? Uh, I did like it when Alan and Tequila kind of had to team up to fight off all the thugs on the sailboat, uh, particularly when they had to chase down the one guy with the shotgun and both of them like totally wear themselves out doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Also, not particularly an action scene, but I I did think a very powerful scene was the death of Uncle Hoy. Uh, one thing it had me wondering was if you're being forced to finish the job on somebody, why do you shoot them in the stomach? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But um, it, that that was a pretty intense scene, despite not being an action scene. It was a very memorable death in the film, and I, and I appreciated that a lot. Yeah, I thought that was a clever bit of storytelling with like how they... The Uncle Hoy is a criminal, but you like him and then but yeah. there's this other criminal you're not supposed to like so they really make you like through clever like movie techniques not like one criminal and really like this other criminal it's just it's funny the way movies can manipulate it manipulate it, manipulate you into being like this is the good mob boss and this is the bad mob boss <laughs> um just for for silly story purposes uh and things like that um i would say my favorite certified john woo moment is and you know it's a great one because they do it they do it and then they do it again just to show you it again it's in the warehouse uh some motorcycle goes off a ramp and then shoots and the tank of the the gas tank of the motorcycle just fucking explodes and the guy gets like covered in in fire and slides off and then they do they do it one more time because they know it was (laughs) so badass um motorcycle goes up boom and they just blows up again that shit was great. Um, there's there's an, there's one more uh, that that stands out to me. Like I just laughed at how awesome it was. It's very late in the hospital sequence. Um, it's Alan and Mad Dog, and they're both they're like running toward the camera. Alan is on like one side of a pane of glass, and Mad Dog is on the other side of a pane of glass, and they keep shooting at each other and missing and ducking and breaking the glass, and then. For the very last shot, like Alan shoots through the glass and Mad Dog jumps through the glass, like toward the camera, and then just like spins out, and then they keep fighting. That was just like one of those sequences that was so well choreographed and so well executed. I just couldn't. I was like, "This is great. I'm just having a great time here." Um, so, what do we want to give uh, Hard Boiled in terms of a score as we uh, wrap things up here? I'm gonna I'm gonna say um, I don't know if we did this last week, but I think I'd like to go with full stars like whole stars no half stars so we're just one two three four or five uh going forward i think that makes us make some interesting um decisions uh personally i'm gonna go with a four star ranking for hard-boiled this is probably up there with my favorite action movies the only thing that stops this from being a five is that i i do think it's too long and not by a little bit i think it's too long by a sizable margin probably like 20 to 25 minutes probably could have been cut off here and it would have been pitch perfect. Um, I put this slightly like above the raid for me personally, in terms of like this kind of action movie. Um, and maybe just this much below like Mad Max Fury road or RoboCop or 
some other movies that are kind of in this. I mean, Robocop is like not quite in this category, but um, some some other more classic action movies like this. I mean, it's in my top few, but I don't I don't think it's like right at the tippity top to get that five star. Um, Alex Prince, what are you thinking? Yeah, I guess I would give it a pretty solid four, maybe even a week four. Um, you get all the action I was after. None of that was none of that was bad. It was all very good. It's some of the best action I've ever seen. I just think as a movie, you know, yeah, I think it falls off in the last half. And I, I, it set me up for, um, yeah, I don't know. All that said, it, it winds up being a four. It's great. Gideon, what do you got, man? Yeah, for me, um, I give it a strong four. Definitely a new favorite. Really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't have as much gripes with some of the story or character things, um, but just because I was mainly there for the action. But the story and character things, it gets a bit clunky at times, a bit wonky or awkward in some sections. I, I would agree there's probably some time they could shave off or things that aren't really necessary. I can't really think of what I would cut off. Um, but yeah, I would give it a four. Mm-hmm. Neil, how about you, man? Uh, yeah, I, I guess, I'm, again, I think I'm just going to be the dissenting opinion here. I think you compare this to The Raid. I think The Raid is a tighter film. Like, I, I think there's like a certain amount of apples and oranges there, but uh like if if we're not doing halves, then I gotta give this a three. Like it's definitely worth watching. It's not like, it, it, you know, it, it's a definitely above average movie. But uh, I just I just don't love it the way that uh, you guys seem to love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, Paul, <laughs> your, on, on principle, what's your opinion of the first this movie? That's okay. <laughs> your, your your opinion but doesn't I... have doesn't have to be uh, ranked in the in the final. Oh, this year so I, far, I, I have what a would feeling, you I have a feeling I will be agreeing with you, Sam, and your full assessment of, of the film. Uh, movies being too long generally is a thing that bothers me a lot. Yeah, and if that's the feeling you got, it probably will also rub off on me the same way. But I, I have very much enjoyed what I've seen. I am going to finish the movie regardless. Uh, so I, I'm thinking a, a, a soft four, probably. <laughs> but okay. that being said, you know, I, I could watch the hospital scene and then end up agreeing with Neil. I don't think that's going to happen. But but is it going to hit you the same way now that you've watched it in two parts? Because if you have an hour left in the movie, the hospital scene is not going to seem as long as it would have last night. Oh, that's a good or, point. So I think I think your opinion is um, hopelessly skewed on the, on this one. Well, that, that was doomed from the start. But... Yeah. It turns out we were all honked from the start, y'all. You know what? I'm okay. just gonna have to rewatch it from the beginning all over. Yeah, I, I guess you'll have to get some tequila and um, yeah, have a have a jolly good time. Gideon, what's up? Uh, before we close, I gotta talk about the weird licensing with this movie. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay, so it was in the Criterion Collection, but right. only on DVD, long out of print. For the longest time, if you wanted an HD copy of the movie. The only way to get it was through the collector's edition of that Stranglehold video game, which is super fucking oh, weird. Oh, okay. The production companies that I think helped make this movie went belly up. The rights okay. got sold to a construction company, guys. A construction company owns the rights to this movie. And I think 
John Woo, as of like sometime last year, people were asking, is this going to come to like 4K Blu-ray? And he has no say because it's like in this weird, like I guess the construction company, they, they want like an all or nothing licensing deal with it. So it's like there's no chance as of right now, which really sucks for how, you know, cool this movie is and just like where it stands in like action movie history and everything like that. Um, so it was just really interesting to dig into. Um, they did, I don't know exactly the details with the, the Blu-ray, but they do have a Blu-ray version. A sealed copy goes for like 160 bucks. Uh, I think a used copy is like 120 bucks or something like that. So it's just really interesting just like learning all about this. And I, I, don't, I never would have expected some random ass construction company to own a movie. It just it doesn't make any sense. Dude, what are the chances that construction company is like owned by the triads? Like ninety-five percent likely, right? That some Chinese mafioso has the has the rights to this movie. Yeah, Suddenly, there's a knock on my apartment door. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, well, I'm glad we all more or less uh, enjoyed this movie. Um, did we have a decision on what we were going to do uh, for next week yet? What were our suggestions? Uh, so we just did hard boiled. Uh, yeah, I, I think, think it's, it's yeah, Gideon. Uh, Memories of Murder by Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho, yeah. 2003, I think. Yeah. Really, like, going on a real East Asian tear here. Yeah. That's good. And, and crime yeah. movies, too. I've heard it's like a, a true... I don't know if it's true crime, but I've heard it's like a crime masterpiece. But I'm, I'm pretty... I'm going in blind with this one. I haven't seen trailers or anything. I've just heard a lot of good things. I'm also going in blind, and I actually have... But I do have the Criterion DVD of this movie. There you go. Nice. So I'm, I'm ready. Stoked. I'm stoked. All right. All right, guys. Well, uh, we'll see you all next week. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Memories of Murder. Thanks. See ya. See everyone.